0: Hello hello everybody. This is No Chuck Flick Moments and I am your co-host Remy. Hi Remy. I am your other co-host B. Hi B. And <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I just got this hugest smile on my face and <laughs> I, I, I feel like I sound mellow, but I'm not mellow. I just can't speak past my teeth right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, for what it's worth, I'm sitting here grinning, too, because holy crap, we're in for a treat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> to be, because, because, today, because. we are discussing um, Season 15, Episode 8, the midseason finale of Supernatural, mm-hmm. Our Father Who Aren't in Heaven. And we're gonna be stuck with
1: a one-month hiatus. No,
0: okay, but, but but it's the holidays; but, it'll go by so fast. Yes, yes, yes. And and well, but what, B? <sighs>
1: Look, I, I don't <laughs> I don't want to start off mean, but I'm like this this beats the expectations for the writing team. <laughs> but you haven't even announced the writing team.
0: But. For a one month hiatus, I feel good about the fucking staying power of this episode, right? Fuck yes. Yes, this is, I, I am excited about about uh, what's coming next, but I feel like we have enough to chew on <laughs> for <laughs> Holy crap, yes. For this hiatus break. Um, but, anyways, this was an episode written by Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming. And it was directed by Richard Spate Jr.
1: And Richard pulling off some amazing shots this episode.
0: Again, holy crap. Now, usually I'm not necessarily looking at the cinematography. It just comes to you? It just comes to me as like, oh my god, what was that? And... And honestly, the one scene that I'm thinking about that I actually noticed the cinematography um, was I it it was a kind of a ha ha moment for me because I was like, oh, my God, it's so cheesy. But we'll we'll see it when we get there. Oh, so you're you're just teasing us now. Oh, well, I mean, but you said, okay, Richard Spade bringing out the big guns, and, I, and I'm just like... You're like, I've seen something, but <laughs> I'm
1: I'm going to be a sphinx for the moment, and I'm going to give you riddles. You have to figure it
0: out. No, what? Big guns. I want to I wanna know. I want to know what... Because I was just too busy with the fucking ping pong back and forth of all the fucking things that were happening. Oh, I didn't... God. I didn't
1: well, I guess I'm going to keep my cards close to my chest. I'll play
0: them as I see them. <laughs> you do that B. I I will. Yeah. <laughs> the description for this episode reads, Sam Dean and Castiel's continued search for a way to defeat Chuck leads them to unexpected places and towards unlikely allies
1: holy crap it's not even kidding it's i'm like it's not even fucking around (laughs)
0: that's that's more information than we've gotten from any fucking description this season so far yeah talk about about holding your cards close to your chest but
1: oh my god they're laying them all out and like (laughs) We start right off the bat at this Lucky Elephant casino room and there is kind of bluesy music playing and we can see there's some people kind of laying around and okay. And then this server named Jessica who is tepidly making her way through the room with a drink and there just happens to be a lot of bodies strewn
0: around the casino. Yeah. And you know what? I kind of notice the second time watching versus the first is mm-hmm. the first. So we have Jessica, she has a drink, she's going through the casino, and we have really this kind of prolonged moment of who done it? Who? Like mm-hmm. what who is this? What is this? And when on first watch it's like, okay, we have a room full of dead people. On the second watch, I was kind of thinking like, well there's no blood. So are they okay? <laughs>
1: Are they just all like KO'd for the moment? Yeah, they just come back. I don't know. I really don't want them to be dead, but I feel like that's what we're supposed to believe.
0: Right, right. I think that we are supposed to believe they're dead. But the reason why we don't want to believe they're dead is that Jessica makes her way to her customer and sitting in front of a slot machine, a slot machine rolling a jackpot every time. Yep. Is Chuck himself.
1: Yeah. It turns out that it is Chuck who is making Jessica's life hell here.
0: <laughs> and, and... and, okay, no, you, you don't just get to, like, say that, like, you didn't ruin my life right before we hopped on air, where- I, okay. Okay. <laughs>
1: What Remy is referencing is the fact that I was utterly paralyzed before we started recording this because I kept on just thinking that the server's name tag said Jessica and I'm like Jessica is a loaded name in this universe (laughs) and just here she is she's when she's making this drink her hands shaking but she's just trying to put the perfect little pineapple piece onto the glass and... (laughs) By the time she actually gets this drink to Chuck, he just grabs the little decoration and tosses it away. And, like, he makes this line of, you don't want me cranky. And just the whole setup is, I'm like, it's frankly bizarre. He's having fun rolling sevens each and every time. And I'm like, that's not fun. Like, if this is Chuck's idea of fun, like, holy fuck, we got some warped sensations
0: here. But I agree with you like this is a absolutely warped perception or a, a a warped way to live your life like I'm only happy if I'm always winning. And yeah. and that's that's something that it like it sounds great but it's also so boring. Yeah. It goes
1: to like Lauren from Angel when he's talking about where the joy of music comes and it's not being able to hold one note forever. It is having that note end and seeing what follows. Like that's where the joy, that's where the essence of things comes from. And yet here Chuck is completely unbothered by the fact that all he is doing is winning.
0: Yeah. What the what is the point of gambling if there's no gamble? and but but that is chuck i really actually like this because it is yeah. chuck because he's he's the boss and he does always win and he finds joy in that he gets his way and he's not happy if he doesn't get exactly his way and it was a good it was a good little move there it was a good um i uh, but but i don't like that we had this like room full of dead people apparently because chuck doesn't do that he doesn't like he's not a brutal person he just wants things his way and going in his way
1: yeah and so the question really becomes is has chuck escalated you know Mm -hmm. it's this uh Is this a sign that Chuck has gone off the deep end? Because we'll see through this episode, but Sam and Dean make reference to the fact that Chuck is needing to be reined in and he's off his rockers. He's out of control. And so is this a new symptom of the way that Chuck is right now? He's weakened, but he's got his mojo back and he's just gone too far over the other side.
0: We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Because
1: like you saying, he's not happy if he doesn't get his way. That's yeah. what this whole scene is telling us. You know, Jessica is trying to be perfect so that she doesn't fall rank and file in with the rest of the dead.
0: Right. And and when she delivers the drink, he says, were you light on the rum this time? Because you you know what could happen. Mm hmm. Oh, nice pineapple piece. I, I'm glad you made it pretty. Keep them coming. But. oh my god okay so
1: yeah yeah oh my god there's a lot here we Mm -hmm. can't stay here forever we got to go (laughs) the next scene we have eileen and she is out in this industrial area and she is in a fight against a werewolf and her gun gets knocked away so she goes and hides around a corner ready with her silver knife
0: yes and she oh my god I was, oh my God. I was just about to say, she hears some footsteps approaching and then whirls on her attacker. But, (laughs) Remy, it just, it's what happened, no matter how little sense it makes. That is what happened but (laughs) no 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 it it there's shadows
1: there's like she knows that this is the way that he's likely to come and so she's ready for movement and the movement that does come happens to be sam and she's at first kind of like hey like she's excited to see him and then she pushes him away so (laughs) she can stab the werewolf
0: (laughs) yeah i i did oh my god i loved so much her like hey she mm-hmm. is so perfect. I love her so much. Okay, fine. I will take onus on my own. <laughs> Your own biases. Biases. Yes. Biases? Biases. There's words there. Even though I would like to blame the writing. No, I can't blame the writing. I'm just an asshole. No. Okay. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so she's initially excited to see Sam there. And then she goes, wait a second. Like, were you tailing me? And Sam just points out. You know, you could have left a note. Yeah. So we get the impression that he's worried, you know? She just was gone. And so he went to go find her and see what was going on.
0: Right, right, right. And she she says as much. She's like, you're worried about me. And, and Sam says, what, you think I'm being overprotective? And he kind of looks around like, you've just had a fucking werewolf on you. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh And she
1: just smirks a little bit at that and turns around, but Sam just looks worried sick. Oh, he does. He does. He he is obviously worried. Yeah. And like, Eileen is celebrating being alive again and being able to do her job. She's able to hunt. She has that liberty that she didn't have in hell. Whereas Sam is like, hey... We, we hear him say later in this episode, we had to get used to letting people go. Yes. And he's really struggling to do that with Eileen right now. You know, she is her own person, but she's back alive. She is a win. And since when do they get to keep nice things?
0: Yeah, I definitely got all of that from, from the tension that we are introducing in this episode. And that tension is that um, Eileen, to a certain extent, does think that sam is being overbearing but on the other hand sam is also trying not to be overbearing because he recognizes that eileen thinks that he's being overbearing Mm -hmm. again later in the episode we get in well well, we have an agreement so we we have an understanding but i
1: i have thoughts on that too because with that in mind with this scene here it feels like it's a deleted moment between now and then that Mm -hmm. they kind of discuss what is actually okay behavior and what okay you gotta you gotta kind of let go of the reins there a little
0: yes yes definitely a behind the scenes something happened there yeah. so but but eileen uh she got her win she killed the vamp and uh, the the werewolf excuse me and <laughs> she's celebrating with a burger
1: oh my gosh yes we cut to the war room they're having a meal on the table she has a big burger and sam has a salad (laughs) and dean enters with the demon tablet like I- I'm like give him a burger too he's gotta be celebrating the fact that Eileen is enjoying burgers and not a salad
0: I know I know but I really did love this it just shot me straight back to season 2 when Sam and Dean would sit down at a diner and this is just kind of a thing that we haven't poked at since the fucking Leviathan it feels like that, mm-hmm. that Sam has his rabbit food and then we have Eileen or like I said back in the early Seasons, Dean sitting in front of Sam with his salad, uh, just chowing down on a grease plate. So, yeah. So it was just fun. I don't know. I liked it as a little, as a little like poke. It was good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Dean comes in with the demon tablet and he says, I've got it. I've got the answer to all of our problems. Look. and it's the most convoluted
1: like i i'm so glad that this happened the first 5 minutes because it set my expectations so much lower for the rest of the episode <laughs> and then the rest of the episode just fucking soared and so i just had additional delight this was the unfortunate drop preparation part of the roller coaster.
0: <laughs> well, so Dean puts down the demon tablet and and you know Sam and Eileen are what? And then we enter into what feels like 25 years of exposition on I what? have
1: become the Brazilian woman who has the mathematics symbols flying in front of her <laughs> face. I'm like,
0: "What does it have to do with anything?" <laughs> Dean says, "Look, so, this is the demon tablet. And the demon tablet and the angel tablet and the and the purgatory tablet, but these tablets were written by God for a failsafe where humans themselves could seal away heaven and hell to protect themselves if the case were that God was not here to protect us himself and uh, can you tell that i'm getting a little lost here because yeah basically if humans need
1: a way to protect themselves then the logic is that god's not there to protect them which means if god isn't there, then he's not all-powerful.
0: Right, right. Because why would God write humans this how-to manual if he's all-powerful and he's always around? uh, We don't need them. And so inherent in this tablet logic, he wanted to write this down, so he must be afraid of something. He must have some vulnerability.
1: And like if I didn't have my glasses on my face, I would have my face in my hand. Like I honestly <laughs> hate
0: this logic so much. No, I, I really do too, because why didn't we ever consider that um the the trials and the tablets were just exactly what chuck says later this episode which was i like our little game i chuck you a fastball and exactly. then you hit it back to me like
1: exactly that's my read with these tablets is that's what the where the story went for him and so he's like hey cool this would be fun to add to the mix
0: uh-huh uh-huh but but then i thought like well but it couldn't really have been him just throwing something into the mix because we have metatron yeah and the
1: retroactive label of it or like how much can god do that and it doesn't seem like at all.
0: Uh Uh-huh. If he just created the tablets to throw the Winchesters a curveball, then Metatron wouldn't have been the scribe of the tablets ten hundred million years ago and it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. It's whatever. I Yeah, I'm like this
1: whole logic doesn't make sense because like you and I sat down last night and we talked about it and we were like they could have just went, God locked up Amara I wonder if we can use the same thing on God. Yes. And who would know about that? Someone from the start of times? Michael. Like, we could have done that, but the reason why we don't do that is because when we bring the tablets into play, we get to bring a good old chew toy back out from the toy box.
0: (laughs) Right! Because we have the tablet, and we're saying, so God has an Achilles heel, and and... And Dean, yes, Dean has read the Iliad, but yeah, we, we've but conveniently forgotten that.
1: Maybe, I'm like, let's do a backflip, okay? He's just being a little shit towards Sam.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. But if if the tablets hold some secret, how are we gonna... No, can we even read the tablets? Oh, no, 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 no. I can't, but I know someone who can.
1: Yeah, so... Dean says he's already got that handled, and we cut to Cass pounding on Donnie's door.
0: (laughs) And just like, I know you're in there. Uh uh I am an angel. Like, I know you're in there. And, And then he just like, so fucking tired, he trudges over to the window where Donnie is and says, Don, Donnie, Donnie boy. Yeah, like, sweetie, I can see you. Like, it's time to go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're coming with me.
1: And Don just tells him, no, go away. And shuts (laughs) the blinds and, and, like, uh, it's ineffective. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we
0: cut uh, back to the bunker and Don Atello is waking up in a chair yeah, he's just showing
1: this extreme reluctance that they want him to read the demon tablet again. He's kind of like, fellas, you know how that went out last time. Like, that didn't play out great for any of us, me especially. And he says that if he goes gra- crazy this time, then shoot him. Yeah, and, you know, let's just cut that whole B plot line out. Let's <laughs> go
0: de- straight to dead. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do all that again.
1: Yeah. And then here's where I'm like, okay, this is the more coherent logic. They say that they want to lock up God the way he did Amara. And so they ask him to find a way and they'll take care of the rest.
0: Right, right. And so Donatello is going to sit down and translate the demon tablet. And we have this beat where everyone in the bunker is very ready for Donatello to come up with their answer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they are not so subtly watching him. And I love as soon as Donatello points out and he's just like, stop it. And they all are trying to act casual. (laughs) I'm like... Cass has a book in his hands, but he chooses to look up at the ceiling. Like, <laughs> I
0: fucking love them. They're all so funny. It was, it was funny. It was funny. But Donatello is saying, "Just let me concentrate." And and he is reading the tablet, and then he says, "Oh well, this is interesting." And instantly, he he's surrounded by very yeah. large men. What's interesting? Tell me more. Yeah.
1: And basically, he's found Metatron's footnotes, which essentially say that God has a thing he's afraid of, and his favorite knows it, and Casco's, mm-hmm. well. Lucifer was kind of cast out at the time <laughs> that Metatron was writing about this, so his favorite must be Michael.
0: Yes, yes. The Almighty guards his secret fear. Which I'm like, oh, poetic, tell me uh-huh. more. <laughs> what is this fear? I do not know, but his favorite...
1: I have the deadest fucking eyes right
0: now. <laughs> and, and the favorite being Michael. Michael is, in fact, the only being alive that could possibly know anything about how to lock up God as God locked up Amara the Darkness.
1: Yes, and he just might be pissed off enough about... You know how the whole thing played out with the cage that he could help them. He might decide to go on their favor and yeah. go after Chuck.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Donnie is just, oh, okay. So we go talk to Michael. You okay? I can I go home now? And they're just like, wait, wait a tick because. <laughs> The whole thing is like Michael's in hell
1: and blah, blah, blah. And Donnie just going, What is it with you people? Can't anything you do be easy? And I'm like, I don't know what's happened to Donatello that he's become so irritated with them, but like,
0: I mean, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He, you know, he was introduced in season 11, and you haven't seen 11, but we saw him in 11, 13, 14, and 15. Um, But this episode here was, I felt, a callback to like the good old OG Mm. prophet Donatello, who was just tapped in when he was trying to just. Walk, walk his fucking dog. He wasn't walking his dog, but he 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 just walked outside one day and was struck by lightning, and then he's a fucking prophet of the Lord. Oh my God! Who are you people? So I, I I kind of liked it as the OG Donatello. And, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking about, like,
1: the reason why I was having such dissonance is because I was thinking the last time we saw him was season 14, episode 15, Peace of Mind, where he was giving really sage advice to Jack. Uh But I'm like, no, where we actually last saw him was Game Night, and he was kidnapped by (laughs) Nick and basically drugged with grace and forced (laughs) to be a CB radio. And I'm like, okay, maybe, yeah, I can see now why... Why he's a little bit salty with these guys <laughs> popping into his life and being like hey you remember how you were in a coma before yeah well we want you to <laughs> do the exact same thing that got you into there in the first place so
0: okay yeah problem solved <laughs> and and so donatello is yelling at the winchesters and then he just fucking strokes out right
1: yeah yeah falls back in his chair kind of mouth ajar And you're like, okay, what the fuck?
0: Oh, no. And he wakes up a little bit and he says, (sighs) Guys, do you have to?
1: No, no, no. He does it the way that Chuck does it.
0: I know. When Chuck first runs into them. I know, I know. But, But he says something before he, the quote unquote, reveals himself. But Donatello is sitting here and he is speaking but he's not speaking as himself he's speaking yeah. as chuck yes and so we get two actors
1: this episode spoilers not spoilers who are playing two characters at the same time mm-hmm. and yeah chuck reveals himself to the boys that essentially prophets they can read the word of god and sometimes you know they're just like a mouthpiece <laughs> and- cracks into them like Bluetooth.
0: Yeah, and and Chuck, through Donatello, is saying um, you know, usually I really, I really like our process, he calls yeah. it. I toss something at you guys and you slam it right back and it's just fun, right? Like yeah, tennis. like tennis. With monsters. <laughs> <laughs> But this, he says, he gets a little serious, he says, but this, drop it. I'm telling you to drop it.
1: Yes. If they don't leave this alone, then he's going to go all powerful, but not on them first. Eventually, he's going to go through essentially their speed dial and go after everyone that they love. And Mm -hmm. he specifically names Jody, Donna, Eileen, like looking at Sam as he says that. And (sighs) Yeah. yeah.
0: And it is there tapping into what we now know are Sam's big fears right here. You know, Eileen is not safe. Eileen is in danger. Eileen can be taken away from him. Yeah and and uh, yeah so but 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 um donatello's actor here he had it right yeah like
1: that whole hey guys that i'm so obsessed with i was like that just rung like chuck right there and so you knew right away what was going on
0: yeah yeah um keith uh sarabaka I think it's how you pronounce it, but but anyways, Donatello's actor really, really knocked it out of the park. It was like, I legitimately, just watching this little monologue, I forgot it wasn't Chuck, because Keith had it down so yeah. well. Yeah. The inflection. It was so good. Yes.
1: And so after he gets his little threat out there, Donatello comes back to himself, and Chuck is gone for the time <laughs> being but they're not really sure what kind of threat looms for him you know Casco's checks the warding it's fine but it clearly isn't god proof and just like how much should he
0: overhear right right and it's Cas that says so are we going to just drop it and yeah. Dean looking defeated he says uh, Don- Donnie yeah I think it's time for you to go home
1: Yeah, you can tap out at this point here. Yeah. And And
0: Donatello
1: is the best news he's heard all day. He just goblin runs out the door.
0: (laughs) The Zoidberg. Woo! (laughs) Out. He is out. He grabs his chicken and he is... Runs
1: like a linebacker for that (laughs) front door. Oh, I have to go? Too bad. Zoop. Yes. And so... Now that he's out the door, they can actually speak more freely because they're like, hopefully this means God's not
0: listening in. Right, right. This is not just a Bluetooth. This is a a two-way radio. Yeah. He was hearing and seeing everything through his prophet. Yeah.
1: And that just makes me wonder if this is limited omniscience that he's always had or if this is something new due to his weakened state.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so glad that you brought it up because I, I mean, we were told in episode four when when Chuck was with Becky, Chuck said, you know, I used to be able to see everything. I used to be able to just yeah uh, follow Sam and Dean and, and everything they were doing. And I used to be able to write, but ergo, like, you know, the. The subtextual level is I used to be able to create the story as we went along, but now I have nothing and I don't know what to do.
1: Yeah. And what we saw in the season 14 finale is he was getting called out that he just likes to watch them. He likes to watch what they're doing. And so this does sound to me like he had omniscience with them before i mean we saw it with the supernatural books he could go into as much detail as it pleased him but with what we found out in atomic monsters it seems like that has been reduced and so he is now in this area of kind of black box behavior where he tosses something out there and then he sees the reaction to it but it's not In the same way as like hovering over it, it's more he's getting feedback through the hands and fingers he's got extended out, kind of messing with their lives.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree that I, I, he definitely can't see everything. Um, but with Donatello, he has that established link and yeah, he's exploiting it as it, yeah, as he can.
1: Yeah, so yeah, they. They're left with the question of, should we drop this? Like, Cass mm-hmm. is the one who brings this up. Do we drop it? Right. And,
0: and uh, sorry to interrupt, but no, go again, ahead. Cass, it consistently through this season, Cass is, again, our human element to this yeah, story. Yeah, he's the
1: one who's like, okay, our loved ones are in danger. That's where his focus becomes. And it's Sam and it's Dean who are stuck with the big picture going, Like Sam says to him, no, there's no way they're going to be safe until we take Chuck off the board. Right. So what can we do besides move forward?
0: Yeah. And I agree here with with Sam and Dean. Um, So Cass says, so what do we do? And Sam and Dean are both in consensus here with we can't just quit this is our only shot this is our best shot and we have to take it and then Cass, uh, our human element says but but you heard him jody donna they're not safe and sam comes back with they'll never be safe which is true so both sides are yes are telling truths here it's like
1: yeah it's basically do we know the costs of moving forward are we really prepared to play with those
0: yeah Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, Sam and Dean are both saying, um, if we don't take this chance, then we're just going to continue to be strung along until god gets bored and he's gonna kill yes. us all anyways so
1: yeah like if you believed that chuck would follow the rules and play nice then that would be something else but they know they have an unfair game master yeah. here and so okay if we listen to chuck Ju- in if we listen to chuck and he was sincere then maybe we could drop it but the thing is is he's not Yeah, He is whimsical. He'll do what pleases him. And so the only way to really control our fates is to take him off the board.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then Cass says, so are you seriously suggesting here that we go to hell to speak with Michael? Michael, who has been in the cage for... See, this is where... Okay, sorry. I just tripped over myself because I'm like decades, centuries... 10 years flat what is hell time anymore i don't know know. but (laughs) well uh this episode seems to imply that it's just been 10 years i mean i don't know
1: i feel like the reason why it's gone with 10 years is because that's the nice simplified term for the audience you know you have to go. Okay, is the general audience going to remember that four months in hell was like forty years? And if so, are they going to be willing to take our math on this? Like, we <laughs> well, go. Okay, we have a hundred and twenty months. We multiply that. Like,
0: I would have loved for it to have been centuries of hell time. Like, that's all it would have taken. It's an I established do agree. canon.
1: But I do think that you would carry more implicate... It's like what they did with Kevin, okay? Kevin was in hell for- yeah. since season 9, was it? Season 10? Yeah. And then they're like, oh, but he's not crazy. And... It's Aileen, just similarly. Yes. We're giving leeway to the fact that they would have had centuries to warp them, to change their personalities, to become something different. Like... To have the Adam and Michael that they wanted to present in this episode, they, I feel, hand waved for the benefit of the general audience and also just for the ease of their writing.
0: Boo!
1: Go to the fan. Like, I'm with you. I'm like, hell time is hell time. But I'm like, we gotta fix it out there with our transformative work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Michael, who has been in the cage, Michael, who is crazy we're gonna go talk to him and hope that he helps us and and sam says well who says he's crazy Mm, i heard it from lucifer i heard it from chuck but are we going to trust their word on it and then dean saying well you know if i was locked up in the cage for 10 years then i wouldn't be too happy with my dad so so they're both offering reasons why yeah let's go talk to michael It'll be fine, yeah. This will be fine. Be Remember fine. the last
1: time we've involved a Michael in this world? <laughs>
0: I'm like, <laughs> stares
1: blankly at my wall, just like, Hello, darkness, my old friend
0: playing in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but <laughs> it, but Dean says, You know what? Let me just lay this to rest. This is the plan, but if you want to stay behind, then you just stay here. Then,
1: yeah, why don't you just go ahead and do that?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: so it's this little jab that he's getting in at
0: Cass, definitely, and there has been some tension, you know. Yeah, but this is the first uh direct um jab at Cass from Dean, or the 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 first uh textual like okay, no, they're still mad at each other here. Yeah, of the episode because.
1: When we heard earlier Dean saying, you know, I got this handled and we cut to Cass at Donatello's, that implies that there was a conversation there. But it wouldn't be what we perhaps are used to, which is Dean going, Cass, you go off to Donnie and bring him home. Like, you you can't get away with that anymore. Yeah. Dean won't be able to boss Cass around like that. And so there would have been probably this tense conversation where Cass agrees that he can go and do this. But we're seeing this tension play out in their conversations.
0: Yeah. In last episode we had Cass return to the bunker and um but we saw that Cass is not ready to forgive and forget. So so mm-hmm. they are both he- holding on to their anger still. Definitely. Yeah.
1: yeah. And something I felt like maybe wasn't noted or wasn't paid attention to but wasn't Dean already informed that the cage was open. Yeah, like he Belthabar was. Told him in episode one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we are also kind of forgetting our canon in yeah. that Dean would be aware that all the doors were blown open when uh, God stamped his foot uh, on episode twenty of fourteen. So. Yeah. So Michael could be in hell, or he could not be, and and Dean doesn't have anything to say about it here. Nope. No.
1: He does that jab, and then we cut to the kitchen, and they have some spell work afoot. That is one of Rowena's spells, and they're going to use it to transport themselves to hell.
0: They're going to hell?
1: Yep. Eileen is going to keep the spell active until they return and so, as they're gathering the regents here, Dean does his little flick of a knife and he goes <laughs> and cuts his hand to bleed into the bowl. And then Cass comes over to heal the cut. And he doesn't do it the way he traditionally does for Dean, which is to actually like touch Dean. Instead, his hand is above Dean's and the light is glowing. And it is clearly causing some strain on Cass.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he, and it's not done grudgingly either. No, it? it's
1: like he's rising above Dean's bitchiness.
0: Uh, well, I was going to say, it's not even done vindictively.
1: No, it's straight up is just being the bigger person and not in a fuck you, I'm the bigger person way. It's just being the bigger person.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. It's 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 being the bigger person without a thought to, well, this will yeah, show there's no him.
1: maliciousness behind it. Right. And that's the general impression that we get from Cass if from last episode, from this one, is that Cass is disappointed with the way that things have gone. Whereas Dean kind of oscillated between feeling justified for having the argument and then being angry that Cass hasn't just let it slide.
0: Right, right. Wanting to move past it. But uh, I said last night in the uh, After Talk that they're just both – trying to outstubborn the other because they don't necessarily like want to be mad at each other, but it's true that there are hurts on both sides and, and neither one is ready to let them go.
1: Yeah. It's like, they're both waiting for apologies, but one has to give ground first. And so far, neither of them are we willing to cede.
0: Right, right. The anger has cooled, but the hurt is still there. So we're we're definitely waiting for someone to break. Yeah.
1: And it's just a really thoughtful gesture from Cass because even with his failing powers, he still goes to heal this insignificant thing. Right. This small injury on Dean, and Dean thanks him for it.
0: Yeah. So
1: you can see that they do want to be getting along again but there is that scar there there is still the need for stitches there's something there to heal
0: yes yes it's it really is just hurt feelings at this point it's where you you have an argument with someone and you're both kind of sulking in your respective corners and you've both had time to think about it but but someone has to break the ice on actually talking about it. Yeah. And writing your wrongs. Yeah.
1: And ultimately, we know that it's Dean who really owes the apology first, you know? Definitely. It was his behavior, his using Cass as an outlet for his anger that led to Cass essentially pulling the plug on their friendship in... Episode three. Mm -hmm. And so until that is mended, I mean, there's nothing you can build on this foundation. It's absolutely crumbled.
0: Yeah. And all of that from a fucking Victorian hand hover. I know. (laughs) Don't touch. Just feel. (laughs) uh,
1: And yeah. So Sam recites the spell and then whoop, they portkey their way into hell.
0: Yes, yes. and I lean left at the bunker like, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I guess I just got to spritz this bowl with potpourri once an hour, and then you guys will stay in there and it'll be fine.
0: Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: So, in hell, Cass is the one who's directing them where to go, and they go into this large open hallway, and they're immediately waylaid by three demons who proceed to kick their collective asses.
0: (laughs) Is any one
1: of us winning? I know. Just Dean hollering out
0: like they are how's getting- How's it going there, sport? They are getting whooped. And, and and they all get subdued and things look dire, except a voice in the distance hollers stop. Commands, yes. I should say. And we
1: recognize the voice we do we
0: do don't we be <laughs> yeah we do and we scream and we scream because we pan over and we get the supernatural dun 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 yes. it is Rowena
1: yes she is flanked by some bouncers from
0: Chippendales <laughs> and Her- she smiles at them Rowena only surrounds herself with the hot incompetent and you can see it in like the three demons
1: who are kicking their asses exactly this is not a hell we've seen in a while this one's been whipped into shape
0: (laughs) exactly exactly
1: but yeah she smiles at them and she does her traditional hello boys and it is just
0: time to lose our minds I know because Rowena as Dean says Rowena we thought you were dead and she's like, yeah, that sure did happen. And then when I died, I went to hell. Like, who knew?
1: Big <laughs> I surprise.
0: I love so much what she said. What she, sa- she says, oh, I am dear. Pretty much all of us here are. <laughs> what is hell? Did you forget it was an afterlife? It's It's so delightful. It's amazing. I love it. And, and you know, I also like to think that when thinking of Rowena and thinking of Rowena's passing, the boys just thought, you know, she's in a better place. Yeah. You know, she's... It
1: goes back to Anubis's abacus, you know? you Did you do that final measure yeah. that got you into the good place? And she's like, nah, my soul went to hell, boys. <laughs> like.
0: So it's like... I, I I like to think that they hoped for something better for her because what is hell if not trauma? But but yeah. Rowena, she's like, I'm thriving, bitch.
1: Yeah, I am the queen. I seized the throne. This is my fucking corner of the playground. I should have died a long time ago. And she called Cass darling. <laughs> she has like pet names for all of them, and I'm crying.
0: I know it's so it's so good. So Rowena is uh, laying out a bit of uh, all of this uh, while we're still in the basalt room. I don't know how to say that word, basalt. 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 <laughs> while we're still in this hell hallway. And I just, I'm sorry, I can't leave this scene without saying that both Sam and Dean are fucking just like radiant this scene. Because it's. Everyone is so good. I know. Rowena's hair and makeup make me want to cry. Her there. like 70s power pants
1: oh with her snake God. belt.
0: So good. It's so fucking good i love it a lot and rowena looks fantastic dean's eyes are kicking it sam's hair is fantastic later we get a cast scene where i'm like cast your jaw what the fuck
1: (laughs) everyone's so beautiful this episode is
0: a gift yes
1: (laughs) yeah but she's essentially like why are you guys here and so they explain that god's out of control and they need to rein him in and michael's gonna be needed to do that yeah and so rowena kind of repeats the isn't michael crazy gossip that Uh we've been hearing but she agrees to send out all parties to find michael if he's anywhere still in hell
0: she goes a hollering find them yeah, did you not hear the man? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's very Crowley. And I think it is intentionally yes. Crowley. And yes. I actually kind of like the nod to, yeah. Yes. I like it, the Crowley family, yeah.
1: When I was chatting with Lee. she's like, so it's not even like Rowena needs the Crowley deal. She just comes with it baked in.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, he had to learn it from somewhere, right? Right. Oh, And, um, but, 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 yeah, she, she is very kind of like, we have this moment of doubt a little bit, at least me as a viewer, I did, like, is this Rowena our Rowena? But then she throws the boys a wink, and that one wink just fucking healed my entire fucking being. It's like, oh, yeah. My soul.
1: Like, <laughs> I wasn't doubting when she came in like I just was blown away by the fact that here she is here's this thing that we hoped for you know Rowena as kind of the Hades of the underworld Uh and it's happening and the way that she acts with them it's they already have assumed power in hell you know she goes did you not hear the man like go out looking Mm -hmm. she says essentially that Dean's word was as important as hers like go do your shit and so all of that combined was just like it's our Rowena, it's our Rowena, and she just throws the wink on there as just relishing in it.
0: I I agree. I do. I I think where it's coming from is that when she died, and when we were projecting or hoping, like okay, so now Queen of Hell, right? Queen of Hell, please, yes, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, uh. It, w- I personally was worried. Like, yeah, but she's she died, and it's not the same. And what if is we, she going to change? Yeah, what if we change Rowena? Who Rowena is in this afterlife of hers? And so when I see Rowena, and she looks fabulous, but uh, uh, she always looks fabulous. But I, I, I just Queen of Hell, Rowena. What? can i expect here and it was with that wink that i'm like oh oh thank oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> my fears are a smash. yeah really really it was because this is this is rowena through and through just yes. our rowena yes
1: but In the meantime, Eileen is on her laptop in the kitchen, and she is running queries looking for
0: cases,
1: (laughs) but she gets an incoming call from a hunter named Sue Barish, who is surprised to find that Eileen is alive.
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, rumor is you were, and Eileen says, dead? Yeah, didn't take Sue says, "Well, great, great, great. I'm tracking uh, a vampire nest. They're right outside of Omaha." And uh, Eileen says, "Oh shit, I'm pretty close." And yeah. Sue says, "Great, okay, so I can I can see you there." And Eileen says, "Well, I'm busy right now, but she kind of
1: like wistfully looks over at that port key bowl, and she's like, mm,
0: Right. yeah, maybe if I'm free later, I'll join.'" Yeah, yeah, and uh, Sue says, "Okay, so I'll call you," and they they hang up. So she yeah. she has her little network of, you know, she's getting her cases from somewhere. Yes,
1: and like Sue has refreshed Eileen's memory that they worked together on a ghoul case. So this is someone who was in her contact list before. Yeah, and like. She is awfully glib and convenient, you know? The way that she's introduced to the story is where we kind of saw tension with Sam and Eileen at the beginning, which was Eileen just picked up a case, went off to go deal with it, and didn't leave a note. And so here is kind of that temptation returning. Yeah. But Eileen goes, no, I can't. Not yet.
0: Not yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, we get... um... Eileen kind of, you know, obviously she would rather go help her friend on this vampire case, but she does have obligations elsewhere right now.
1: Yeah. So we can see there's now this little extra tension in her about this. Mm -hmm. So cut back to Hell's throne room and Rowena is preening upon the throne itself and Sam speaks up. He's going to offer an apology. You can just tell he's like, I'm so
0: sorry for stabbing you. <laughs> but she just
1: cuts it off saying, You killing me was one of the best things that ever happened.
0: Yeah. And and you know, this throne room is not Crowley's throne room from nine through thirteen. Um oh shit, Crowley died in eleven. It's so in 12. sad. No, he died in eleven. He died at the end of twelve. He died at the end of twelve. What are you talking about, B? Wait I haven't <laughs> even seen this! <laughs> <laughs> and you're arguing with me and I'm somehow in the right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I said. He died in the end of twelve. Dubbed that in cleanly. I'll give you some clean audio here. <laughs> no. But this isn't Crowley's throne room. No, this is
1: beautiful.
0: I know. I know. I love it. We have the gorgeous red
1: lighting. We have the throne that has the three cobra heads. Like, Rowena's got a whole snake vibe going. And I'm like, you know what, girl? You can get it.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And she's just reclining on this throne of gold snakes, a hydra. And she has her scotch and she is just living the dream and she is saying as much right she's saying that this is this is exactly where i should be and yeah
1: there's some things that she misses you know flesh on flesh sex amazon delivery it's not there yet
0: not there yet but she's working on it yeah
1: yeah and she's got all these fearful subjects, so she's basically like, it's A++, plus who's going to complain? Exactly. And she takes this opportunity to ask Samuel to be a deer and <laughs> top up her drink. And so, once Sam is out of the room, she begins marriage counseling for Dean and Cass.
0: Aww. And, like you were saying, Sam here, the reason why she kind of interrupts him in the moment um, we feel that she's interrupting his apology where he's he is he's trying just to say, he
1: feels remorse and regret for killing rowena yeah. and she's just kind of like nah nip that shit off at the butt you don't have to feel that i'm yeah. awesome yeah
0: and and also be a dear and fetch me a refill
1: Yes, and she just from the get go, I guess, has been sensing that there's this tension between Cass and Dean, and she's like, "Tell your Auntie Rowena what's <laughs> going
0: on." Is Auntie it a wee Rowena, oh, I know, I, I love know. her. So Samuel, hop to uh, Dean, Cass, uh, Castiel, Honey Bun. What's Is this there- tiff that I'm sensing? <laughs> As I said, that I just realized that Rowena didn't give her customary, uh, flirtatious jab to Castiel. So, well, she already called him darling. So I guess she's
1: filled her quota for the day. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But she's sensing some tension here, and she says, "You know, whatever it is, fix it, because I didn't live my life with many regrets, but there." Are a few that stick with me and I'm dead and they're still haunting me. Yeah,
1: basically, don't die with regrets, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm because you can't fix them at that point. You are still alive. You can still do something to make amends for this. So just use my perspective to realize, like, put your petty shit away, basically.
0: (laughs) Fix it. Fix it, she says. Which is, I mean, can we just take a moment to be like, oh my God? Because we have Rowena calling out Cass and Dean here uh, to say, like, you guys obviously have something going on. And we as a viewer are... Like, been, no shit. Like, no shit. But I, I, also, me as a viewer, I've been waiting for this, right? We have been waiting for this. Like, yes confront it. Like, we've been in this holding pattern since episode three. It's now episode eight. And it is very gratifying to see someone saying, like, confront this. We need a resolution for this. We've been talking about it for God knows how long. But... Yeah, yeah, I'm very, I'm very like, oh, my God, this just happened with this Rowena thing.
1: And just having that small glimpse into Rowena, too, like she says she doesn't have a lot of regrets, but she brings up Fergus as being the foremost on her mind. That if she could go back and change things, that's what she would do right there. And she's just saying, like, don't have moments like that hanging above you. You don't have to go back to fix it. You can fix it right
0: now. Yeah. and. Also, we didn't even mention Dean and Cass's. It's fine.
1: It's nothing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And like, they're still not making eye contact. There's just, just... there's a lot.
0: There's a lot. But Sam walks in and yes. he delivers Rowan his drink, and she says, That's a dove. And thank you, my dove. <sighs> and then Chippendale
1: walks in. Yes. And so Chippendale here confirms that Michael has left hell. And so then the question lingers, well, where is he then? Yeah. And we cut to J.C.'s Red Wagon (laughs) Diner, which, fun fact, is named after Richard Spate Jr.'s wife, J.C. Hayes. Oh, that's nice. And the song that's playing on the jukebox is one of Dick's Band's two and we find Adam here salivating over his first bite of burger that he's had in 10 years.
0: hmm hmm And this is another one of those, like, what is hell time moments. I mean, it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam is sitting in a booth, and he picks up that burger, and he is relishing in that first bite. He says, Michael, I haven't had a burger in 10 years. And then on the opposite side of the booth, we get an Adam double, which is Michael. Yep.
1: And Michael here says, you know, that stuff will kill you. (laughs) And Adam just deadpan worth it.
0: Right, right. uh, Michael picks up a fry and says, all right, go for it, kid. And
1: Michael admits here that he doesn't know
0: much about any of this, any of this meaning
1: humanity. And Adam is essentially his guide on yeah. whatever is going to come next for them.
0: Now, let's pause here and okay. think. This is our introduction to Michael of our world. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like so. Season five, we had some Michael. We had snippets. Michael. Yeah, yeah, snippets, but. This is now 10 years later and and we actually we we see who Michael is now again. And and he is 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 this guy who says, "Yeah, you do you."
1: Remarkably well adjusted considering the rumor mill around him.
0: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But also like I think what I'm getting at is respectful to... There's a
1: balance between them.
0: There is a balance between them. Absolutely. We see Adam sitting opposite of Michael. And Michael is saying, you know, I don't know anything about this world. I'm now in this world. But you're going to have to be my guide here. And what kind of, like, trust is there in that one sentence, which is, I don't know much. You'll have to help me.
1: And, like, it's not an order, you know, that food's going to kill you, stop it. There's nothing about that. It's just an observation. And then they're they're having a conversation. And yeah. it's like, since when have we ever seen an angel and their vessel do something like this? Literally never. Exactly. So this whole commentary of, like, Michael's crazy, it's like, oh, Michael's become fond of his vessel. Yes,
0: there is a there's a camaraderie there's a rapport and we are establishing that right off the bat
1: yeah and like so what are you gonna do michael michael doesn't know because his family all his brothers are dead and as far as he knows his dad is awol and what about you my adam and then adam's like yeah my family's all dead too well, you got Sam and Dean. And he's like, anyways, fuck those two guys. <laughs> and he like he's still bitter because he was left a rotten hell by Sam and Dean. And well, Michael says, Go ahead.
0: Well, also, I mean, Michael here is the one that is putting a lot of weight on or steering the conversation to uh, family, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When when Adam says, "What are you going to do?" He says, "My brothers are dead. My dad never returned. Um, but your brothers, you still have family. You have something to return to. Yeah. So uh, all that is Adam's whole concern. Whole like uh,
1: all of Michael's concern.
0: Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, all of Michael's concern here is with family. Yeah, and he's also yeah. putting that onto adam
1: yeah and after adam rebuttals with you know fuck sam and dean basically michael does this disdainful comment family and (laughs) adam just kind of commiserates with them and goes family sucks so hey look they did have something to bond over in hell But we cut to Dean on a phone call with Donatello, and he's just asking him to look out for Michael. You know, anything with a high power grade surging on Earth, keep your brain out for that, let us know. And he goes to sit at the war room table where Sam already is, and Sam confirms he hasn't found anything regarding Michael yet. So they're kind of at a standstill holding pattern for that for now
0: yeah yeah definitely and one thing with dean's conversation with donnie i mean i'm just kind of like okay so we saw dean trying to tiptoe a little bit about like revealing details like if anything happens anywhere just just as an fyi yeah like you know okay you're
1: not if you notice a thing that happens god pay no attention we don't know what we're
0: looking for
1: (laughs) um yeah if you just notice a thing let us
0: know right right it wasn't exactly subtle but but we did see dean trying to be subtle yeah and here we have dean sitting with sam and we have a permit
1: yeah, because Dean changes the subject away from Michael onto Eileen.
0: And yeah. saying, you know, she did good right today with the spell. Is she okay? And and Sam says, yeah, yeah she's fine. And Dean says, uh, he's saying, so, you and Eileen, how's that going? And Sam, again, is saying here, like... Uh, it's not it's not like that
1: dean tries to open the conversation sam doesn't give him enough and so dean pushes for some more
0: thank you you have words and you know how to use them (laughs) (laughs) because because i'm just like like dean is saying hey eileen treated good and sam's like yeah
1: yes she did end of conversation
0: yeah and then dean is like you know i tried the family thing once like where is the a to e
1: (laughs) he's just straight up like i want to talk to you about your new girlfriend and sam's like oh please don't do that like and like here's where we hear he says that they have an agreement you know him and Eileen she does her own thing and that's the way it goes so like this is where I'm saying that this conversation seems to have happened between the first one we saw them together and now because Sam does not seem the type that we had an agreement but I fucked it over and went (laughs) and stalked her anyways like it doesn't make sense so they've come to more of an understanding of how to deal with eileen wants to go on hunts and dean just looks at that and he's like stars in my eyes that's adorable
0: (laughs) right right dean's like oh you have an agreement that's so cute and it really is just big brother yeah he's poking fun and but he's being supportive in everything yeah and like
1: He said that he didn't say it earlier because he was kind of in a bad place, but also because he didn't want to jinx it. But he's, like, really happy for them. And, you know, this is... We might have tried the family thing in the past and it didn't really work, but Eileen gets it. She gets the life. She gets the Winchesters. And Sam could really find happiness with her.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, the one thing about that is just that... When Dean said, like, I tried the family thing, you tried the family thing, it never worked out. Um, Sam says, yeah, that's just not for us. And yeah. Dean tries to reassure him, like, but it could be with Eileen. It could be. Because, yeah. Because she gets it. She's good for you. This could be good. And if it could be good, then you should let yourself have this good.
1: Yeah. Don't... I can sense that the doors are kind of shut for you, but just just think about opening them again, like the opportunity could very well be here for you like this could be the good thing, and just don't overlook it because you don't think it's gonna work
0: yeah this that conversation that vein just brought me straight back to season eleven in baby mm-hmm. um when mm-hmm. when Sam was the one delivering the same speech to Dean saying don't you ever think about something more something different and uh, someone who someone who gets it he says verbatim yeah
1: and i think you know we have a sam that really got hurt in season 14 you know, he lost the hunter yeah. hub. He let himself kind of step into this. I don't know what my cats are doing. <laughs> oh, kitty. He let himself step into this new role and he grew into it and he came to love it. And it was taken away from him horrifically. Yeah. Like People died because of their relationship to him and his brother. And so you can see he's kind of shut down from that. We saw in peace of mind how drastically he just wanted to run away from that. And so I don't think he's really opened up yet. There just hasn't been an opportunity for him. But he's being given one. And Dean just wants to make sure he doesn't
0: pass it by. Uh, Definitely. Definitely. I think that we have a very jaded Sam. Yeah, and um, and I wish that we had a bit more of foundation on that when with regards to Eileen, because watching it for the first time, I wasn't making the connection really on, or I, I feel like I I just had to put a bit too much work into it to f- fucking puzzle it out in my head. On yeah. If Sam is really fearful and if Sam is really not trusting this happiness or this win or what possible happiness could come from this relationship, then um, I feel like we could have eased into it a little bit better. But
1: yeah, I think that there is a bit of cross signals because where Sue exists is to sow that discord -hmm. With Eileen, like Eileen's instincts. Like, spoilers, not spoilers. The point of Sue is to draw Eileen into a trap so Chuck can take her hostage. And so there is that test to the relationship happening on that side. And yet, distinct from that, we also have Sam and his fear of having a good thing and losing it. And those two signals are kind of crossing. Because it involves attention to their relationship. And whereas really it's two separate pieces of tension. Because when we see how Eileen handles... Okay, I gotta go help Sue. She doesn't leave a note. She goes directly to Sam, grabs him, and they go. So that test or that belief of tension isn't really there. It's just mixed signals that we're getting because it's not put out clearly in the writing.
0: Right. Where I'm at, where it's not put out clearly in the writing is that we're having conversations about this tension, but we're not seeing it. Yeah. Because all I'm seeing is Sam and Eileen being in complete like harmony and in support of each other and hey and i don't know it's just i don't know we'll see
1: yeah it feels like it's been really subtle because we saw sam basically ready to tell her not yet in last episode when she was kind of like hey like let's let's smooch and then carry on and that tone was really subtle and we keep on getting it really subtle whereas we need something from sam where he just says i'm scared of a good thing
0: yes yes this is not the first time that we have talked about it no you and i Uh, it 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 has been there okay sam doesn't want to commit because he can't because he's used to losing people
1: Yeah, I agree. And like, I think we can go on this subject for a long time, but we got more scenes for them, so (laughs) we can carry on from there. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, from this scene, we go back to Adam slash Michael people watching in the diner.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's like you mentioned that Adam's pondering getting a job to cover their expenses. And I'm like, their expenses. They're planning a future together,
0: <laughs> and I'm suffering. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. This is fine because if Michael's not going to heaven, then what are they going to do? And they are, really are just holding each other's hands through this. And uh, oh, oh, God, yes, I'm fine. It's fine. I'm, We're fine. I
1: love this. I really love the fact that they've come to terms with each other. That they they're collaborative together. I'm just in no. awe. I- But yeah. Yeah. Lilith comes up behind to say, hi, Michael! And um, Michael's immediately on edge because how the hell is she back? She was dead.
0: Right. Um, And Lilith is just saying, yeah, well, I was, but someone brought me back. God brought me back. You're dead. Surprise! And and we're getting the sense from Michael that, you know, Lilith is saying, well, we did work together to try to get God back, so what's your dilio? But, yeah. But Michael is, is genuinely like, wait, God actually did come back? Because if God did come back, then why didn't I know about it? Me, I would have known. God would have saved me. I and exactly yeah and and so what are you what are you saying i i I almost don't believe you is what i'm getting from michael
1: yeah he i feel like he has no reason to trust a demon to believe a demon and then to think that his father would send a demon is Mm -hmm. all like none of this makes sense to him
0: right right
1: You can see from the start that he has nothing that he really likes about what's going on here. Because she's like, I'm here to fetch you. And he goes, I'm not accustomed to being fetched. (laughs) I love that you're doing the voice. I I love him. I did not expect... Because it's like, okay, we're bringing Adam back. What the fuck are we doing? And then, oh, we're doing this? Okay, I love it. Never mind. I... Did we even talk about the fact that we're bringing Adam back? Are we just. No! (laughs) Hi! It's because they just did it in such a seamless way that we're like, yeah, of course they were bringing him back. Like, what?
0: Hi! Adam
1: is here! After like 10 years, some
0: 200 (laughs) episodes, we have Jake Abel. He's back. And we have Adam, we have Michael, we have this world's Michael, who from season five, we have these these characters back. Yes. And how fucking epic is that? Like within the fandom itself, it was just a running joke at this yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. And
1: when's when's uh, Adam gonna be back in the storyline? <laughs> and they're like, who? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, and, and, and now, and now we brought him back, but like you said, it was so seamless And Jake Abel as an actor is playing these two characters and he's playing them so, so well, he's playing them to
1: perfection,
0: Jake Abel
1: and Jake Abel killing it,
0: Jake Abel absolutely killing it, and he is saying here to Lilith, why would I trust you? Why would God, if God was back, why would he send a scourge like you? Yeah. And she says, well, we did work together to try to bring him back, and now he is, so why are you whining? And yeah. and uh, Michael just says, you know what? If God really is back, then I need to see it for myself. He can come find me. He can come find me. And Lilith rebels against that to say, I can't fail him. She grabs Michael to, I don't know, but... But Basically
1: to like, okay, like I'm serious about this. We are going. I cannot leave without you. Mm -hmm. And then Michael's like, anyways... And if his powers flare and he absolutely dusts her.
0: <laughs> he dusts her, right?
1: Yeah. <sighs> like, not even. Bye, Lilith. You were really fun while you were here.
0: Uh, that's where I'm at here. Because, did. Like, do you even feel real closure on no he definitely killed her like she's gone bye it was i absolutely believe
1: that she is gone but i'd be like okay chuck just bring her back and also like of course we had to kill somebody this episode
0: so do you do you have a bad strong feelings
1: of whether she's gonna come back or not. If or? she's gonna come back, yeah. No, I have no feelings about that. I feel like the mechanism that she served in the conversations with, you know, Chuck's back surprise has kind of been served. So if she does return, to what end is it, you know? I well, feel like
0: but what about Sam and Dean? They like like Lilith, it's a real threat and a real concern and to just have her boop gone i mean i don't know i hate, i just i i really hate that this happened
1: Ugh. i i feel like i understand why they wiped her off the board but i'm also like it was really anticlimactic for lilith
0: I'm now sitting here what was the point? Like, and I feel bad uh, on a certain level even talking about this because when Lilith came in 2 episodes ago, I said, like, I don't like this. What's the point? I don't know if I'm on board with Lilith being the one that we're bringing back as the Chuck. Yeah. uh boots on the ground. But then here in this episode to have her just gone in this way, it's I don't drive with it, I'm not really a fan of it, it didn't click as right to me, and I don't like that not only did we kill her this episode, but Michael didn't even later reveal that Lilith was out of the picture. Yeah. So we still have the Winchesters like is Meeting she needing st- to catch up. Yeah. Is she still on the board? Is she not? Like I don't even know what if Lilith is still the queen to to Chook's king here.
1: Yeah, I think that that's really just going to have to be a wait and see for future episodes. You know, we already got this impression from Lilith that she's back whether she wants to be or not. And so Chuck could easily just pull her out of the empty again and be like, hey, you're back. Or it could just be this end for her because she's a creature of a power grade that Michael would have to flex. And the storyline asked for Michael to flex. And so it's just kind of disappointing that we only saw the narrative served as opposed to, okay, this is fitting for the character. This is fitting for her emotional beats, all that kind of stuff. Instead, it was just our plot calls for this. And so it happened.
0: I feel it really is just disappointing. Because they could have played it differently, right? We saw Michael flex. We saw Ash where Lilith sat. So there's physical evidence of, no, he didn't banish her. He didn't just flex on her and she dipped out. No, he fucking killed her. And yeah. if we were going to be bringing her back, then there are it would be super, super cheap if we were to sell it as Michael killed her, and then we're just gonna like recycle her again. Yeah. Um, when it could have just been Michael. She noped out fast yeah. enough. Yeah, she noped out fast enough, or Michael banished her, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, we see her dead.
1: Yeah, so that leads me to think that she's off the board for good. Yeah. And it's just anticlimactic for her character.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And talk about ashing her out. We see everyone in JC's diner uh, now looking to Michael, terrified. What the fuck was that?
1: Yeah. And... There's just this awesome moment where he's sitting there with all eyes on him and then he just goes, remember nothing, and snaps his fingers. And then the diner goes back to normal. Nobody Mm -hmm. remembers. They all got neuralized. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But um, he does push away the plate of cheesecake that Lilith touched because it's been soiled by her, I guess. And he does look troubled by what he's heard. But yeah. Um, Next, we have Donatello calling Dean. Because, like, mid of that scene, we saw him drop a glass because the power flared. And now he's called Dean up to confirm that Michael is world hopping all over the place. But he is currently settled in Cairo.
0: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Michael is hopping around. But... There, there, he's staying there in Cairo, Egypt, so Dean just has to hang up the phone like, thanks, Donnie, didn't really need you on that, did I?
1: (laughs) Well, and it's just the way that Donnie's doing this, too, like, there, there, he's pointing around his own kitchen, and then once Michael finally settles, he's like, cool, I'm gonna hang up and go drink now, like, bye.
0: (laughs) Right, right, I need a bourbon. But it's just, it's funny, again, how this phone call serves no purpose at all other than Donnie being Donnie. Well, it it is,
1: hey, I did find Michael, he is on Earth, but like what Dean says to Cass here when he breaks the news, we know where Michael is, but we can't reach him in time. Yeah, yeah. And it's Cass who goes, well, then we just bring him to us.
0: Yep. Yeah, and we have um, Cass settling in to pray to Michael. And I know that in Discord, when I was watching this episode five minutes ago, when they first were like, how are we going to find Michael? And yes. and, and uh, Dean called Donnie for the first time. I was like, just pray to him. What are you doing? And then Cass is like, I hear you, Remy, don't worry. Winks at the camera
1: and then goes, sits at the top of the war room stairs where there's there's this chessboard set up. And I'm like, mm-hmm.
0: yes. I'm like, my tactical son. At the stairway landing, yeah, it, Cass sits down and he is sending a prayer to Michael. And Cass is saying... I know that we don't know each other very well, and I know that we didn't exactly meet on good terms the last time that we did see each other, but uh, there are some things that you need to know. You need to know that earth, heaven, and hell are not as y- you left them. Things have changed, and it, it, Cass, Cass says a lot in this prayer. Yes. The one thing that stuck out to me in this prayer was um, when Cass says, Michael, there is a battle raging and you are a warrior, but you need to know the nature of this fight. Yes. Because what do we know of Michael of this world? What do we know of Michael in general? How does Cass regard Michael? Mm -hmm. Michael, you are a warrior. You did fight for this. And you have been in the cage since this point in time.
1: Yeah, so much has changed since you were last on Earth. Like The way that Cass is coming out here basically empathizing and he's playing himself off as low, but like I've been through what you've been through and just for your own tactician's sake, you need to catch up with what's going on. And we're in this situation of, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend and we are unexpected allies in this fight against God.
0: Yeah. And God is not your father as you yeah, knew him. Yeah, saying your father. Like, he's not saying
1: our father. He's saying your father yes. is certainly not who you know. Yes,
0: yes. Like, Cass, again, talking about family and poor Cass. I know. Oh my god. I wonder if we will address in in heaven, because eventually, I trust that we will, you know, go back to heaven, hell, purgatory. Yeah, the, empty, the afterlife yeah. And, and 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 all of this, and uh, we're going to talk about God, God's role in this. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking of Cass as it is our father, but Cass has rebelled against that wholly and completely. His
1: father has done this un forgivable sin of killing Jack you know he has betrayed everything that Cass believed in and so Cass has denied him you know you're not my father anymore I renounced you no longer our father
0: yeah yeah and Cass is saying uh, your father is not who you know him to be your father is the enemy in this fight Mm Hmm. And we cut away from that on, uh, I guess, meeting at a neutral ground.
1: Yeah, because when Cass finished this prayer, his eyes kind of flared, which is us assuming, oh, hey, Michael picked up the call. Mm -hmm. And then they go out to this warehouse where Cass thanks him for coming and saying, like, you remember me? and. Michael's like, yeah, you called me ass butt and set me on fire. Like, <laughs> great first impressions.
0: <laughs>
1: and Cass admits to his role in sending Michael to hell, but um, he still is trying to find this common ground, and Michael is just unable to believe God is an enemy yet.
0: Yeah. And Michael is saying... So you're telling me, you called me here to say that God, my father, is the enemy. What do you want? Because yeah, I'm like, are, not Are you basically
1: begging forgiveness for, like, what you've done? And then Cass going, oh, no, I'm not here to beg.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah! Yeah! This is where I have Cass, why you so hot? Because... <laughs> This is where you should go, oh, the cinema topography. The
1: cinnamon Be- topography. He, yeah, he lights that holy fire and he's caught Michael in a ring. And then we see Sam and Dean come through that yellow plastic industrial protective, I don't know what to call it, protective plastic curtain.
0: Yeah. And I that know, shot yeah.
1: just looks so good.
0: And yeah, Dean Does comes it out. Doesn't Doesn't it it- This is the one cinematography moment where it was a little extra. They're being
1: extra. They just fucking caught. Like, Cass has a history of being the most extra bitch when he catches an archangel in a ring of holy fire.
0: That's true. That is very So are you saying he's being extra? I'm like, yeah, he's gone to his
1: roots. <laughs>
0: it was a. it was definitely a gotcha moment.
1: Yes. And it is playing up the perceptiveness that we had on the last scene because, you know, we have Cass sitting by a chessboard. We have Oh, I don't know, Michael, if you remember me. (laughs) I don't even know if you're gonna pick up the call, but, like, I
0: remember you and I know you're a really swell guy. And, like, eh. (laughs) And then Michael's like, oh, have you come to beg for mercy? And no, bitch nah nah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and we end the scene with Michael's little castiel what have you done
0: yes and then we open the next scene at the bunker and, and Michael is in the archangel cuffs and Michael is just continuing on this tangent of you know even for you this is stupid (laughs) and like dean is
1: going hey mike like he's just Mm -hmm. being irreverent right off the bat and michael tries to engage sam talking about their experiences in the the cage and sam quickly diverts away from that because he doesn't want to revisit that and instead just jumps right in asking for his help
0: yes oh man and Michael is saying, you're asking me to trust you. He looks to Cass and says, you who doomed me, doomed me to the cage, helped me. You called me ass butt, set me on fire, (laughs) and then pushed me into the cage. Not Cass specifically, but yes. You who betrayed your brothers and doomed me to hell. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just like I need for a second to harp on the the kinship of Castiel and Michael because we didn't get it much this episode. But I'm I'm just I'm thinking of Michael and Cass's conversation in uh season fourteen last season with um the Rockies bar episode that I'm now blanking on the name nihilism yes nihilism and um we had Cass and michael having a conversation and they were talking about their father they were talking about betrayal and they were talking about faith and they were talking there was like just a a kinship of or, or a connection to it that was Michael saying, you, Castiel, of all people, would understand in Nihilism in season 14. And then now here in this episode, we have Michael saying to Cass, like, you, you especially, Castiel... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is stupid. What are you doing? How can it be you? But I, that that that's me really projecting onto that line. Well, there's a really interesting cycle of what the
1: characters like, which characters are informing which characters with doubt. You know, yeah. In season fourteen, Cass has his faith in God, and like, why would God do that? And it's Michael who sows doubt. Into him about the nature of God. And then here we are, one season oh later, God, yes. one Michael later, and it's now Cass who is attempting to sow that doubt into their Michael. And Michael just rebelling against it the same way Cass did when he first heard it. Why would he do that?
0: I think that, like, I subconsciously was making that connection, but I didn't really connect it there. Yeah, like,
1: that's what I was hearing from what you are saying. Yes! Like bringing it back to that, where it's like, here's their kinship. Here they are able to speak on these things as not just our father who art in heaven, but, like, hey, our dad. And then Michael sitting here being like, how can
0: you... Say that to me. Yes. And with Michael in season 14, uh, uh, Castiel, don't you know God is dead? God is gone. God doesn't care. God crumples up his drafts and throws them yeah. away. And, and Cass saying, no, why would he? How could he? He's refusing know. that. That yes. can't be true. Oh my God. Oh my God. You guys. Okay. And here we are. And here we are.
1: And here we we have Sam, Dean and Cass trying to convince Michael and Michael just not trusting or believing in anything they have to say. And like you guys left your brother to rot and Sam's saying like, well, we've had to get used to losing people and like rightly or wrongly and sometimes more than we ought to. And they thought that they had to say to goodbye to Adam too. Yes. he admits we were wrong.
0: Yes. Yes. We basically left Adam for dead, but we now know that we didn't have to. Yeah, we didn't have to. Right.
1: Yeah. We're setting up where the characters are fucking themselves over. We have Sam saying, we thought that we, like, we got too used to saying goodbye to people. We got too used to losing people. And we have Dean saying that, like, we, there's nothing that we can say that it'll really fix things. And so it's just the way that it is. And then Adam going, well, you could try saying sorry. And then Dean realizing that that's his mental block. Because he just kind of is looking at Cass like, well, there's nothing I can do to fix this. It's just fucked. Uh like that this whole scene is intentionally laying out these elements where our characters are sticking their own fucking tripwire in front of them and then going oh shit we fell oh fuck cuz by the we get to when we get to the end of this episode and we have Dean actually take the steps to apologize like this is where he's being challenged. He straight up came into this being like, No, there's nothing we can do that'll make things right. And then Adam goes, Well, you could try saying sorry. And yeah. then it's like a fucking light bulb moment for Dean being like, Oh, not all hope is lost. This
0: one scene, really, honestly, it was insight into Sam and Eileen, Sam in the cage dean and michael oh, dean and we haven't even gotten to dean we and haven't michael even yet. gotten anywhere in this fucking scene <laughs> we've spent like 20 minutes on it it's everything adam and michael and michael and Cass, adam and the winchesters adam and Ugh. okay so we're fine we're fine we're fine so <laughs> sam says That they got
1: used to losing people and they wrongly thought they had to say goodbye to Adam too. Yeah. And Michael says, Don't tell me, tell him. And then Adam pops (laughs) in and resumes control. And this is the part, like Dean is taken aback. Oh yeah. He goes, Wait, Mike, Michael lets you talk. I mean, he lets you be, and you can just Oh, my God. This is season 14. Dean's unspoken trauma just resurfacing again. Right.
0: Because we really haven't um, addressed. I don't know that we will. No. um, Dean's a concealed don't feel type of gal. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't really talk about the fact that Dean is suffering real trauma post- uh, possession with Michael, and here with just 11 words, I, I pulled a number out of my That's actual fine. ass. So, <laughs> <laughs> one in one, I've got two cheeks. So, <laughs> the Brazilian woman with the math numbers left. <laughs> If I'm right, then kudos to me. But <laughs> where where Dean says he 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 lets you talk, he lets you be. It's it is just residual trauma from his own possession. And I think that this is as close as we're going to get to talking about. Well, or to, for addressing, it to be noted, yes, yes, to addressing Dean's feelings on this, and how um you know he said in season fourteen, uh, you've been possessed to Sam, he's saying to Sam, you've you know you went through it, Cass went through it, but I didn't think it would be like that,
1: yeah. I think he was talking to Cass at the time. But yeah, the point is, is like, I didn't get it until I went through it. And it's stuck with him since then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So to see this kind of, like, cohabitation,
1: Yeah. It's so far removed from his experience that he's just shocked by it. He's baffled that they could come to terms like this. And Adam says as much. We came to an agreement. It was... They were only had each other in the cage.
0: Yeah, and and they had to, you know, to keep sane. They had to work together. They had to come to that agreement. And on those exchanges between Michael and Adam, it is uh, like it's fucking masterful. He's so <laughs> in the good. acting. It's so good. It's so, so good. And two, with every change, um, and we physically see one or the other taking over, um, we also see the reactions from Cass, Dean, and Sam. And they are they're they're playing it very taken aback and um Yes it's an adjustment from expectations. Yeah,
1: there's no way they could have prepared for this. And right. so they are trying to play catch up while this conversation is
0: going on. Mhm. And, and it's their brother that yeah. they failed in a very real way. So Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So- <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so Dean starts by essentially just saying that there's nothing, like I said, there's nothing that they can say to fix things. But Adam is the one who speaks up and says, you know, a sorry would help. Yeah. And it's just, it really, like I said, it speaks to Dean's mindset of believing things are irreparable and then kind of having this moment of illumination when he realizes, oh, You can't just assume it's fucked and then walk away. You can take steps that could be meaningful. And again, I'm like, there's a lot of commentary (laughs) on his fight with Cass happening in that one little exchange here. But yeah, it just is really telling us about Dean's mindset. And there's not really any more that carries on between him and Adam because Michael takes over and just says, enough. Tell me, like, why am I here? And so they break down the whole, we need your help against God. And Michael still has faith that his father is here to bring paradise. And Dean's like, Mm. nah, your dad's kind of a drama junkie. And so paradise is boring. There's no fucking way he's going to do it. And all of us are puppets, especially you, Michael. And Michael just is not really jiving with that. And he calls them liars. Like, you guys are lying.
0: Well, I mean, also, I'm kind of sitting here like they're not telling him anything. This is me, cue, me yelling at the screen, like <laughs> show, show him your memories, like let him. And it's like Remy, wait ten minutes, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> like show him, because because they're really not giving any concrete examples. They're not. But I'm thinking.
1: Our cyclical where we had the Michael from Aldverse, when he was talking to Cass, he was like, my evidence is that we threw the apocalypse and he didn't show. And so I started burning shit down. And Cass is still like, I don't believe you. So it's I do? uh, Yes, you have the solution, but they're trying to break it to him in steps. And that is one of those that is a step further than perhaps they want to take it and they have to do it quite delicately. And so, they just haven't decided it's the right time
0: yet. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're just saying God is the enemy. And Michael is yeah. saying, It's not enough no. you just say that. There's no fucking way.
1: And so, Adam takes over and he says, You know, you guys just give it a rest because Michael is too upset to listen right
0: now. <laughs> and again, with that shift, this is what I'm saying. It's just uh, the way that everyone was playing it with those yeah. shifts. It was just like Dean seemed offended a little bit when uh, Michael took over Adam
1: mm-hmm.
0: or frightened, I might even say. Um, But then when Adam took over Michael, I was looking at Sam in particular and it just his face read to me as... Shit, you can do that? Mm-hmm. And, and, and Adam says, um, Look, guys, I, I, I'd give it a rest. He's not listening. I'll I'll talk to him. We'll see. And they're just like, What the fuck? But okay, but what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And that's where we go, right? They give them a moment alone. They being uh Dean, Cass, and Sam, they give Adam and Michael a moment alone. And Adam... And Michael are talking it out.
1: Yeah. And Adam's kind of imploring to Michael. He's pointing out that Sam and Dean try to be on the right side of things. And if they think that something smells fishy around here, then it probably is. You know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. But Michael says, no, like you and I have been together for 10 years, but I have been with God for eternity. And to doubt him is to be no better than Lucifer, you know? He can't allow himself to think of these things because then he becomes a shit son. And Adam's kind of like, you know, parents keep secrets. This might be one of them. Doesn't it hurt to ask? And it's going back to that. How can you still worry about these things? You know, like being the good son. If it's true that your dad did this to
0: you. I mean, and we could talk for 15 minutes on... Uh, how Michael is saying here, like, I like my entire existence has been built on rising above being more faithful than Lucifer. Right. I've been
1: defined in opposite to my brother. And so yes. that is yes. my sense of identity. And so if I break that, if I do what Lucifer is doing, I have broken my sense of identity. So it's not just I'm scared that my dad will think that I don't have faith in him. But it is also who do I become if I am not that.
0: Right. Because, because who am I if I'm not against everything that Lucifer did? And Adam is saying, maybe not everything is as it seems. Does it hurt to ask? To doubt? And that's exactly what Michael's saying. Like
1: That is the ultimate thing I cannot do. To doubt is to
0: fail. Yes, you're asking me to do the one thing that I cannot do. To doubt is to fall. That is base. Yes. That is fundamental. That is the line that I cannot cross. What the fuck? I know. I love
1: this little bit here.
0: It really is. It's just, it's so fundamental to Michael as a character. And I love that we're revisiting it. And, and I love that it was so true to Michael as we know him. And it, and it's, like, a really personal thing about him that, like, yeah. we
1: don't even realize it's personal. Because it goes back to his sense of self.
0: Yes. And and we see Michael here revealing some, like, being vulnerable in a way to Adam. And we just, I don't know. All I can say is we had three minutes of Jake Abel talking to Jake Abel. And it was really good.
1: It's so good. Like this whole Adam Michael friendship relationship, it's so curious and it's so invo- like, there's it's so thought provoking to consider. Yeah, I really really love how they did it.
0: Yeah, and there is a balance there.
1: Yes, I I really really love what they did, and yeah, Jake is selling it every turn. Okay, any last thoughts before we move?
0: no no it's just yeah no, it's just <laughs> yeah no no it's just that michael is not budging michael as adam said is not listening
1: and we can see now there's a bit of fear behind that but yes it's not just stubbornness yes. it's there's this fear
0: yes we had adam saying like oh he's not listening guys uh, that's where the stubbornness was but then we I just love so much that we dedicated these minutes to insight into why Michael. Why Michael? Why? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. There was no other reason for this scene other than Michael, the anthology. So, (laughs) (laughs) I love
1: it. Okay. Next scene. Is Sue calling Eileen and she's like, I really need your help now. You like basically get Ugh. boots on the ground, get here. And she pulls out that. Do you have to ask for permission? And I I have a lot of thoughts about this and just the spoilers, not spoilers, nature of Sue. And this is Chuck's writing. And basically she's trying to jibe and like push Eileen to be reckless. You know, Mm -hmm. just hop in the car, get here. But um, so Eileen asks for directions and she sees Sue cut off from this call. And she sounds like something has happened. And so if we're going by Chuck's writing and expectations, Eileen takes off without a word. But what we see in this very next scene is that Eileen goes to Sam's room. She gets his help and Sam grabs his jacket and he's right there following.
0: Right, right. Which is so interesting that we've been building this episode with Eileen. I don't need a man.
1: I don't feel like that's what we've been building, though. Like, that's... no,
0: that's what I'm saying. That's where the fucking disconnect was. I'm sorry, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at. The no, bros. I know you're not. <laughs> yeah, that's where my disconnect was. Where the the tension that we were. Trying to introduce with Sue was it seemed on first watch a little out of left field because I now realize what Sue was trying to introduce was not what we were reading within the relationship of of uh, Sam and Eileen on screen.
1: It goes back to that there's two things of tension right now and they were kind of crossed signals.
0: Yeah, so I I just saw Sue trying to exploit a tension that either didn't exist or wasn't as um, fundamental as, spoilers, not spoilers, Chuck thought it was. Yes.
1: Like, to me, what the read of this is, is that chuck figured he could throw some romance tropes into this and eileen and sam would take the bait Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. oh based off of what i think they're going to be like with each other this is going to work in this way so my impression is that chuck was definitely setting a trap just for eileen and then sam shows up and that's like an added bonus to chuck but it's not what he expected
0: I didn't consider it like that. But I love, love, love that that's where we're at right here. Where Mm -hmm. that Chuck wanted that uh, trap to just be for Eileen. And he was trying to steer Eileen in in a certain direction. And trying to sow that discontent. But uh, Eileen and Sam and the the relationship that they have defied that yeah. and, and Sue was poking at it. Like there's, there's tension here and on, on some level there is, but not nearly at the level that uh, Sue, AKA Chuck was pr- predicting. Yeah. Cause
1: like to summarize the way that I saw their, Tension playing out is that first scene was Sam's fear of losing Eileen made him behave in a way that Eileen wasn't super appreciative, Mm -hmm. but they sat down, they came out to this agreement that Sam mentions when he's talking to Dean. And then sure enough, when Eileen is presented with the opportunity to go on a case, she at first sticks to the duty that she has agreed to. And then when she sees that her friend is in a high danger situation, the first thing she does is go to Sam and say, help me out. So that right there was like they cleared up that tension from the first scene, but it happened off screen. And so then it raises question marks kind of for where we see Eileen and Sue talking. Yes. And it's because what Sue is being is the outside agent trying to sow discord, you know? Yeah.
0: Trying to ramp it up, but our players are not playing to what? Chuck expects. Yeah.
1: They're not following the
0: script anymore. Fuck you, Chuck. Yeah! Fuck you, Chuck. Fuck you, Chuck. So, yeah. so, uh, well, well, Eileen goes to um, goes to Sam and then says, my friend's in trouble. And Sam says, let's go.
1: Yeah. And so they take off. And now we have Cass going to see Adam and Michael. Yeah. And he's gone alone this time and Michael cuts him right off, you know, says that he's not going to betray his father. His beliefs, like none of that's going to happen just because hmm. Cass wants him to. Yeah. But Cass points out that God betrayed him, you know, and Cass starts goading Michael, calling him haughty. You know, there's a stick up your ass the size of an oak tree, <laughs> and then says that he pities Michael actually because he was never God's favorite. He was just a two bit part of this greater story.
0: And I'm just like Cass is poking the bear here, right? Very intentionally, yep. Very intentionally, and when watching the scene, I'm like, oh, oh, what a what! But but I guess it was just to get close enough to to grab his temples. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because if. Michael is refuting everything so wholeheartedly they go, okay, yeah, well, we want to show you some memories that are going to prove our point. Like we said, this threatens Michael's sense of identity, the sense of self. So he's not going to agree to anything that's going to shake that. And so what Cass is doing is goading him and he invokes Lucifer, you know, saying that he's the smart (laughs) one versus Michael. And then Michael is like, "Okay, cool, fuck that. You don't get to talk about my brother and grapples Cass to the floor. And then with this proximity, Cass touches his temples, does the mind meld thing to show Michael the truth about what they've seen of Chuck.
0: Yeah. Cass is saying at least Lucifer was smart enough to realize the truth of things. Yeah. And uh Adam who is saying maybe you don't know your father as well as you think you do. And here Michael the truth is revealed to him. Yeah. God yeah. lied.
1: Oh, and like is reveling in it. Like Chuck yeah. is like, I'm a writer. Writers lie. And we find out about the multiverse. You know, there are other Michaels out there that not only is he not God's favorite, but he might not even be God's favorite Michael. Like, yeah. Oh. So
0: much, so much that Michael never knew. Michael was never allowed to know. Michael, who loved and trusted his father over everything and thought that that love and trust was returned yeah not not so much yeah Yeah. it's Uh, fucking rough yeah Yeah. so we have these flashbacks that we have shared all of the history all that Cass and sam and dean know with michael and now michael knows every truth that the winchesters do
1: yeah And And so he lets go of Cass and Cass is coughing it out, you know, that was a fun chokehold to be in their sport (laughs) and leaves Michael to sort of absorb what has been given to him. Yeah. And so we return to the kitchen where Cass is sitting at the table and Dean comes in to talk to him, grabs a beer and at first, he is second-guessing whether Cass went too far. And Cass just says, maybe. And Dean softens it a little bit by rationalizing, you know, Michael's been maybe
0: too long in the cage. It's too much, too fast. And this speaks, though, to a lot of, like, another off-the-screen, uh, tete tete of... That's not a word, but um, another off the screen talk between Dean and Cass where they came up with this plan together and they executed this plan to to show Michael all that he missed yeah. while he was in the cage. But but Dean here is saying like, okay, maybe we pushed too hard too fast and and it's just again like they dean comes into the kitchen and he can't even look at cass but they are working together on this thing but we definitely get the sense of only when we have to and
1: also that dean is still kind of rubbing salt in the wound where he's second guessing. He is making Cass spell things out. You know, what did he say exactly? He's doing these things that are dismissive towards Cass. And Cass is, I wouldn't even say taking it, it's just he's expecting it. And so what we're seeing between them is just this superficial civility between them, but it's just a paper thin covering over this very raw
0: wound definitely
1: and yeah and the way that they kind of wrap up is cast is okay where's where's (laughs) our emotional support buffer you know where's sam oh no where's uh... i forgot (laughs) (laughs) and dean is saying that you know so eileen hit a snag with a case and so he won't be gone too long Yeah, yeah, it's just all the trappings of civility, but there's no fronts of nicety. You know, there's no softening blows or anything like that that's Mm -hmm. going on. It's just very raw and honest and in an unpleasant way that they're talking with each other. And it's just
0: really good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 really good for the scene, right? This this scene is is played really well. They're having an entire conversation, and we know that they have been talking. They, they they've been living in the same places. They've been living in the same spaces together, and we get the feeling that this is how it has been for weeks.
1: Yeah, it's been the barest amount of communication, and in the coarsest
0: manner. Yeah. And as Rowena said, uh, fix it. Yeah. You do not want to die with regrets. This is not sustainable. This is not okay. This is not where you want to be. And you will regret it if you don't figure it out. And and me, I'm like, Dean, you're going to drive Cass away again. Because no ground is being given on either side.
1: Yeah, and it's going to be you're going to work together until you one way or another this thing is resolved, and then you're going to part ways. And are you going to be happy with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. And as you said here, Dean is saying, "Well, what did Michael say exactly?" He's just uh, Cass. I don't trust you, Uh, so you're going to need. Well, like, are you missing something? Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like that better. Um, and so what happened? And Cass just says he rejected me. I mean, nothing. Yeah, we was we said. didn't bond. Yeah, we we didn't bond. So there's a rumble, rumble in the jungle.
1: Yeah, and so a micro earthquake happening in Kansas—that's got to be not natural. So they go assume it's Michael, and sure enough, they run off to where he was being kept. And I—I know the jokey way to read this is Michael's like not gonna holler down the hallway; he's just gonna cause an earthquake for them to come. No, I
0: love it. That is how I read it. It was. He was saying, Knock, knock. I need you to come down. I'm ringing my bell. Okay. Because what I was taking it as is
1: like it is a visual representation of Michael now doubts. You know, it Uh, is this cataclysmic thing for him. Because when they go into the room to see what's going on, the first thing Michael does is say, God lied to me. Like, I loved him. I gave him everything, and for what? I'm not even the only Michael.
0: Yes, yes. I hate this, because we cut to the parking garage, and there's no clear. Okay, it's fine.
1: I know. We don't even talk about the fact that Michael now has an existential crisis about the other Michaels. But Ah! we cut to Eileen driving the umpella. She's driving it before Cass. I am a little bit upset. Okay. But I, fine. you
0: know what? I, again, you mentioned it last night in the aftertalk, and this rewatch, I literally didn't catch it this time either.
1: She drove the Impala into this parking garage, and they find Sue's truck. It's parked under these fucking fluorescent lights. The doors <laughs> left open, and Sam approaches it with a flashlight.
0: <laughs> Does he really? He does really. I I feel as if I've scrubbed this entire scene from my brain. I'm like because this, this was the most buck-loving scene. <laughs> because Sam and Eileen roll up, they get out. Sam says, "Are you sure that they saw the vampires here? Yeah. I don't see anything. Vamps here." I- <laughs> they're in a parking garage exactly it doesn't seem like there's anything here and then and then the i'm sorry my only note here is sam and eileen in parking garage it's a trap <laughs> it's a turp it's a trap and eileen is like no she was here. There were definitely vamps here. And Sue emerges from a column to say, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I can- uh, the demon got an Aries, and he's graphic. <was> <laughs>
0: I thought you might have been having a stroke,
1: so I just <laughs> I just wanted to summon Kitty Foreman and be like, oh, it's my sinuses. It's just sinuses. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's Sue okay. just appears around that column, hey? In the parking garage to be like, yeah, there were vamps here. Yeah, and the fact that Eileen immediately goes like, oh, thank God you're okay. Oh, and my then, God. Oh, that's the wrong word to be invoking
0: right now. Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah, just invoking God is the wrong thing to do in this season. Because as soon as she does, Sue morphs into <laughs> Chuck and goes like, hey, anytime, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, hi, guys. Yeah, hi, Sam. Yeah. And we're left on that dun-dun-dun moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we return to the bunker, and we have Michael standing up, and he finally agrees that he's going to help them.
0: God doesn't care. He knows now. Um, yeah. I will help you. And yeah. he pulls out the spell, and it is the spell that God himself used to trap the darkness. Amara his sister so we now have
1: an ingredient list for what bound the darkness and it should work on God provided he's as weak as they say
0: yes and we have Dean and Cass asking after the ingredient list and Michael lists out these totally mundane ingredients and they're like okay cool we got that yeah we got that here yeah exactly And then... (laughs) (laughs) And, and, to bind it all together, the nectar from a leviathan blossom, the second that this was out of his mouth, I was yelling!
1: I I fucking knew you would be, like, leapt out of your seat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We need the nectar from a leviathan blossom... And Dean says, so, a flower? And Michael says, yes, a flower that grows in only one place. And talk about a (laughs) (laughs) dun-dun-dun! Michael snaps, and he opens a portal to purgatory. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And purgatory is where we must go. And this portal will be open for 12 hours and good luck boys yeah oh you're not coming with and he's like nope yeah and but but Michael Michael is being very helpful and Michael is Adam and Michael says so you have the spell you have the things you need let me go yeah basically
1: our our transaction is over here yeah
0: yeah you got the information that you needed yeah yeah
1: and so you see dean agrees and so he pulls the cuff keys out and uncuffs michael but mm-hmm. before michael can leave he asks to speak to adam and yeah so we see the transformation from michael to adam just in posture and physical behavior and adam turns around and dean it's just he does the apology that he didn't think would work. You know, he said that Adam is a good man and they are sorry for what they did. And he didn't deserve that. And then we get this one (sighs) fucking killer line.
0: Yeah. Where Uh, Adam just smiles and says, since when do we get what we deserve? And And he
1: looks at Cass Uh, And Cass looks like a kicked dog, because here is Dean issuing an apology to someone,
0: and Cass is just sitting there like, "Mm, can't relate. I mean, honestly, on, on a certain level, like, that, but also we have Dean reaching out to Adam in the way that we've been you know it's something that is well deserved exactly it's, it's 10 years in the making yes that has been 10 years in the making and and we have it here and dean is sincerely regretful for all that happened and also dean rising above michael himself in this moment to let one let him go but also reach out to Adam through Michael to say hey can I talk to him so i mean there's a lot here it's a lot it's it's a lot
1: yeah there's just so much unspoken history between what dean could have been you know mm-hmm. what could have been for adam had Sam and Dean known that there was something there that they could be done but I also think that there is an element that the time was needed for Michael to bond with Adam in order for them to be at this place in the episode now where Michael is not just wrathful but he has this partner who will talk to him and be like do you, do you see this points that they're making and they mean well so what does it mean we wouldn't yeah. have got that if michael and adam hadn't formed the relationship that they did
0: yeah yeah i mean we could have had michael more in tune with Cassiel. I, I i love that i revert to Cassiel when i'm talking about the angels, angels. versus yeah hey. But it is Cassiel, his brother, versus Adam, who trusted that John, Dean, Sam, the people that he met once. Well, I mean, John was John, but, but through John, he trusted to an extent, Sam and Dean, that he met once. And also, he didn't listen to them the
1: first time. You know, Mm -hmm. they said, don't do this. It's going to be a bad scene. (laughs) And Adam went through with it. And, like, the consequences were very real and very much in line with what he was warned about. And so there is that bit of, well, they are looking out for me, even if we don't know each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, from that, we have Adam putting a level of, trust into the winchesters that i would argue they don't deserve because (laughs) i know right but but here is dean here in the final moments of this episode saying i'm sorry you don't deserve this i'm not
1: going to live with this regret you know i'm not gonna let you leave (laughs) and never see you again without apologizing yeah. So he is taking Rowena's advice. It's just one square removed from where she's telling him to apply <laughs> it.
0: But for Adam, this means a lot. It ha- yeah. It, it means everything.
1: It gives him, okay, I can take this and I'm accepting this apology so I can move forward from it.
0: Yeah. Definitely. 100%. Yeah. And we end the episode here.
1: Yeah, and Michael, Adam, their parting words to them here is just good luck, and then they leave the room. Mm. Yeah, that's the final word that we leave on, is just this good luck, and then Dean slowly turning to look to Cass, and then the two of them kind of being like, well, there's this rift and time is wasting."
0: <laughs> oh my god, we have... We have a pearl a portal.
1: A perdal <laughs> to purgatory.
0: A portal to purgatory. Yes.
1: <laughs> I just I can't even believe that we're going to purgatory again.
0: I am very excited, because we've left on two cliffhangers here. We have uh, Chuck, Eileen, and Sam, and then Mm -hmm. we have Dean, Cass, and Purgatory. So, it's a lot. Yeah. 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 And we have the whole hiatus
1: to kind of stress about it.
0: (laughs) It's good, though. I like it. It's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do agree. Like... I said with you in the after talk last season was kind of a oh, that they mm-hmm. left us on for the mid series finale or sorry mid season finale that we were left well did they did they really just unleash the supernatural world on Kansas City yeah whereas this one we're more like ooh like yeah. what's gonna happen it's less
0: shock I suppose and more intrigue yeah intrigue and in anticipation. Yeah, definitely. I like it a lot. I I think yeah. that, it, a, a, and it's strong enough, and there's enough meat in this episode that we will have again plenty to chew on going through this hiatus. Yes. Yes. And on that meat to chew on, uh, B, what's your final takeaway? Oh, bitch. Oh. Uh-huh. Um... I'm guessing
1: which one you do, and so I'm I'm kind of moving to a different one. I... Oh my
0: god! No, you can't do that. Okay, okay, three two one. Okay. We're gonna Okay, you do yours first then. No, no. I want your okay. one I want your number one takeaway and we're gonna three two one it and just summarize in one word what's your three two one takeaway. Okay? Okay, you ready?
1: Give me a second, give me a second. Okay.
0: Okay, you ready?
1: Yeah, I didn't think it through, but I'm just going to go with the one I thought of.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Three. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Three. Three. Two. Two. One. one. Rowena. Michael. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what? Rowena? Fuck yeah. It's been
1: like this question that has been over my head ever since we lost her and the whole fact that we had this strong female protagonist that we don't have very many of and we want to protect the ones that we have (laughs) and here she is she's back we totally didn't even expect her she wasn't even amongst the title characters like guest stars being introduced they kept her a secret she only was in the back end credits and here she is she is herself, she's not a changed version of her. Yeah. But she's the queen of hell and she's thriving and she's encouraging our characters to not have regrets regarding how she died and also about the way that they are living. She lives. Like she's yeah. she's being this wise, impartful, I don't know that's a word, <laughs> queen. And she they have an ally in hell now that that opens a whole new door for hell in the storylines coming up.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. We have definitely been waiting for this um, since Ruined died, and I, 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 I like that they brought her back, and and I also like that it was like the one success successful uh, hidden spoiler so far. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, it that was, there was no didn't idea didn't this was, was coming.
0: coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, Supernatural, we love you, but you're not very good about keeping set spoilers. No, we we, we typically know what's coming up, but. I definitely did not anticipate Rowena coming back this episode. I like the way that she came back. I like that it was in line with what I was expecting for her, um and wanting for her yes. really more than anything. Yes. Um I am so ready for that heaven, hell, purgatory, empty, uh, round table. Oh, on the- I know. Yeah. Love it, love it, and can't wait to see it. So, I am very glad that we get that set and stone confirmation that Rowena is not out of the game just yet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And in fact, she's going to be a major player on
0: the chessboard. Oh! Fuck yes, yes. So, my final takeaway is definitely Adam and Michael. Mm -hmm. Good choice. Our world's you know, our world as it is, but the supernatural universe, Sam and Dean's Michael in Adam. And it's... ten years in a making. <laughs> exactly. Ten years in the making. We I am not going to be saying this as eloquently as you, <laughs> but Michael good. <laughs> Happy Michael here. (laughs) Happy Michael here. Well, I mean, really, it is just... So the Michael that we had in the alt-universe was a Michael that killed his brothers, who uh, destroyed the world, Mm -hmm. who uh, consorted with demons, the scourge of hell, to, to bring about... Like, his one... And only wish was to call his father back to the world. And in all Michael, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. God never, never showed up. We see what would have been if Sam and Dean were never born. And that was the Michael that would have been. And now here we had a Michael who was thwarted by Sam and Dean and who has been in the cage for 10 years and what a what a fucking difference and 10 years ten makes. Ten years in close proximity to humanity. That opening scene with Adam in the diner just needing to enjoy that burger and Michael observing. In- observing, commanding. Not- exactly. Exactly. I, I was I-, I wanted to say indulging him. But that wasn't it. No. It's not It, it allowing, was they were going to do this. Yeah. It's not allowing Adam to go to a diner and have a burger because that's what Adam wanted to do. It is just a mutual respect. Yes.
1: Yeah, I really oh loved it. I love... I'm so glad that we got to see them.
0: And I'm so so glad the direction that we're taking, uh, that we took um Adam and Michael, that they are a partnership. They are, uh, they are what they are here. They found um, companionship in each other. And Michael is learning humanity and is, um I don't want to equate him to Cass, well, but, what
1: are his greater ambitions? He's not like Alt versus Michael, where yeah. I need to take over the world. He's okay. We're gonna go get a job.
0: Yeah, and and Michael's okay with that because he's lost his family. And why would he go back to heaven? His brothers are dead. My, uh God, never showed. Uh, so so yeah, this I I don't really know how to live in this world, this earth. But I'm willing to let you show me, Adam. And that Mm -hmm. is, like, literally, that first diner scene just set me on the path of understanding to to everything that Michael is. This Michael. Our Michael. It was
1: really well done. Like, I... I, holy shit, this episode really holy blew shit, by the episode. expectations that I had.
0: I, and, and I think that, um, okay, so that was my final takeaway. I'll, I'll say what I was going to say in like 10 seconds. So, <laughs> anything else? That
1: was this no. episode. I think that, I mean, we are not elaborating on this, but I hope Purgatory brings back Benny.
0: And so (laughs) that was this episode and I will have some things to say about what I hope for the future of Michael and for the future of Purgatory and for the future of the season and what we have seen so far this season uh, in Our next episode, which will be our mid-season retrospective and wishless in a way, because we're now in the fucking trenches here, and you couldn't stop me from speculation if you tried. (laughs) Exactly. That's what we're here for. (laughs) So, sorry, I didn't mean to commandeer your your Benny thought here No B. no. it's that
1: <laughs> I I said I'm not elaborating. It's like will you elaborate? No.
0: <laughs> yes. So in in our next episode in our mid season finale uh retrospective we will definitely be talking about what we have taken so far from uh our first 8 episodes and what we hope for the next 12 so we're really excited for that
1: yeah and with the hiatus that we have going on we're taking a hiatus too so the retrospective episode will be coming out at some point during this four weeks we just haven't quite pinned it down because we also have
0: real lives <laughs> yeah yeah. so we ha- both have some traveling going on with the holidays and just family things so um, we will be posting to our uh twitter and tumblr about uh when we will be releasing our hiatus episode and if for any uh no chick moments news uh, you definitely follow us on twitter tumblr uh check in on our website at no yeah and
1: we also have our patreon up which has a bunch of bonus content where you can listen to us talk about the initial reactions we have to each of these episodes there's hours of that and we also have all our show notes so definitely jump over there if you're interested in having more to listen to over this hiatus season
0: yes it's a long and lonely winter so the patreon might definitely be the place to go for some more of your favorite no moment. No uh content (laughs) i was gonna say no chick flick moment moments so (laughs) why not honestly why not and yeah rate
1: review subscribe on wherever you get your podcast that helps us get the information out there and it's just really useful for us to kind of build the audience that we got with you guys
0: Yes, reviews and ratings, especially on iTunes, uh, are really invaluable on visibility, and also on visibility, uh, wreck us to a friend.
1: In the spirit of giving this holiday season, give your friends your podcast recommendations, <laughs> and, you know, hopefully we're on that list.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So we will see you guys soon. Yeah, we'll see you guys on the next step. Yeah, have a happy hiatus. Happy holidays, guys.
1: Happy holidays, y'all.
0: Oh, bye. Bye.
1: Yeah, we have. I swear to God. He's like touching the microphone, scratching his ears. <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest fucking wavelengths, too. I'm so, so sorry for the editing nightmare that is going to be this episode because my small gremlins have no social manners. It's okay. <laughs>